Hello and shalom. Welcome to this episode of Image Bearers Radio. I'm your host, Joe Amon. We got a great show ahead, so buckle up and hang on. Here we go. Well, shalom, shalom, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Image Bears Radio. How are you? It is an exciting, exciting time. We are in the first day today of Sukkot, started yesterday evening. Of course, depending on which calendar you follow, but according to the Jewish calendar, it is the first day of Sukkot, one of the most amazing times of the year. This whole last, this whole season of the year is amazing, beginning at Yom Teruah, actually beginning in Elul, um, and Yom Teruah. Rosh Hashanah, uh, Yom Kippur, and then leading on into Sukkot. What a fantastic uh, and just power-packed uh, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, just an incredible time of year. So uh, we're going to be talking about Sukkot in today's episode. But before we do that, I want to just say welcome to everyone who's dropping in for the first time. So glad that you join us and just ask you to stick around and enjoy the conversation. Uh, if you'd like to give any feedback, you're more than welcome to do that either uh, on our website or uh, give us a review on our podcast or listen later in the Hebrew Nation archives. Wherever you find your podcast or wherever you'd like to listen from, uh, it'd be absolutely fantastic. And for those of you that are longtime listeners or you've listened for a few times and you're coming back, then welcome back to you guys as well, guys and gals. And um, we're excited today to talk about Sukkot and uh, just give some basics, uh, maybe some things you didn't know, probably some things you did know, and all that kind of stuff. So it's a great, great time and uh, of year, and I'm just excited to be uh, with you all uh, today. But as we always do, before we do that, uh, let's bless the Father and ask Him to bless our time together as we talk about Sukkot. Avinu Malkinu, our Father and King. Avinu Shabbat our Father in Heaven. What a wonderful privilege it is to celebrate uh, your feast this time of year and all year, but this time of year. And Father, we ask as we talk about Sukkot, you open our eyes to some hidden things maybe and help us to bear your image better. So Sukkot, and uh, even more than just Sukkot, of course, Sukkot is what we're going to mainly be talking about today, but just these fall feasts, this this fall feast cycle, um, I don't know about you all, maybe you've had this some other year, or maybe it is this year for you, but this year, uh, after, you know, we've been, uh, my wife and I, my family, we've been uh, studying Torah about 15 years or so, 14, 15 years, and um Every year, you know, I hope this is your experience as well. Every year, it seems like uh, the the Shabbat 
and the feast days, they just grow in meaning and they grow in, uh, in depth for us. Not, not that they change, but that we, we are changing. You know, we're, we're learning, uh, we're changing. Uh, the Father's revealing himself more to us as, as we clean out and as we, you know, we surrender more to him. Uh, and this year, uh, beginning even in Elul, and then uh, especially for Rosh Hashanah, uh, Yom Teruah, uh, and in on to Yom Kippur was just, this year was so deep and so meaningful. It's been so awesome. And uh, we at OAM, uh, we celebrated our first night together of Sukkot last night. And um, some of you maybe even will celebrate a month later, and uh, which is cool. Hag Sameach, if you're celebrating a month later, if you're celebrating right now, Hag Sukkot Sameach to you as well. And um, just an awesome time. We What we do is we, uh, out at our farm, uh, my in-law's place, we, we build a huge sukkah. And for most, you know, as many people as we can get to under, I think this year it's like 30 by 30. Uh, and uh, everybody gets under the sukkah and we have uh, Torah study throughout the week. And then on the weekend, uh, we have all day stuff and stuff for the kids. And it's just a, it's incredible um, celebration and an awesome time to be together. We have guests come in from all over the place. And, uh, and, and uh, the last couple of years, we've been about 30, 40, 50 people. And this year we're looking at the weekend about 100 people, which is just it's not about like numbers or, you know, playing the numbers game is really dumb. Most of us did that in church if you, you know, if you were in ministry. Um, but it's not about the numbers game. It's just cool to see God bringing more people into this understanding. And, uh, and I know that, you know, Sukkot throughout the, uh, the, the nation um, will, be, will be full and will be growing. And you'll all have really awesome times. No matter what your Sukkot gathering looks like, it'll be an awesome and meaningful time. And uh, I'm just really, I- I'm thankful. Last night, as we opened Sukkot uh, and went through the blessings and waved the lulav and and all that, you know, I just I have this profound sense, and I've had it for a couple of months. But uh, for instance, on during our Shabbat services, if you if you join us uh, via live stream uh, or if you're here in person, uh, every week, every Shabbat, we do uh, Birkat Kohanim, the priestly blessing, the Aaronic blessing uh, over our children. And uh, we, we hold some men in our congregation, hold a tallit over them as we bless them and, and pray for God's protection over them and leading for them. And um, every Shabbat, I'm just lately, I, I'm just really engulfed with this, this idea of what a generational uh, shift that has happened in our generation. Now, you may be listening to this and you may be 60, 70, 80 years old. You may be 20 years old. Um, whatever generation you find yourself in, um, there is a massive generational shift that has happened in our lives. And, and we're going to read about that in a minute as we read about Sukkot. But it just, it's so profound to me. Um, and, and if we look back at Yeshua and, and, you know, and most of us came to him as Jesus, which is perfectly fine. Um, most of us came and, and what a shift that was. I think we forget about um, what a major transformation even coming to Messiah was and the trajectory that it set for us and the, the trajectory that it maybe changed for our family. And then because of Yeshua, the Father has opened our, our hearts and our minds to, to Torah and to his feast and to the Sabbath. And, uh, and it's just, it's so profound to me lately. And I mean, you might be out there thinking like, well, yeah, obviously we know, we know how profound it is. But this year, for some reason, it's really hit me really hard. And, uh, and I just think it's so miraculous. I just can't, I can't stop thinking about it. It's just an awesome, uh, an awesome thing for me to, to ponder and to dwell on. So, um, 
I hope your Sukkot is 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 amazing. Uh, again, whether you're celebrating, you know, with a few people, maybe even by yourself. Some of you may find yourself in that situation, or whether you're at a gathering, or you, by the time you're probably listening to this, you were at a gathering. Uh, you know, if you hear this next week, um, either way, I just I just pray. I really do sincerely pray that this Sukkot is full of meaning for you and your family. And uh, so let's get into talking about Sukkot this year. So uh, as I said last week, um, I've tried to get in the habit and, and really work to get in the habit of every time I read about the festivals, no matter whether it's Pesach or whether it's Yom Kippur or whether it's Sukkot, um, when we read in Leviticus 23, Vayikra 23, which is really the landing zone for the feast, it's the, it's the, the you know, most succinct outline we have in the Torah for the, the Moedim, um, I always want to start, uh, before I read about the particular feast that we're talking about, I always want to read about the Shabbat, because the Shabbat, uh, the weekly Shabbat, is uh, is priority, um, and as, as far as observance, and, and, and really how we think about it. And it, it really goes to teach us that are used to a Sunday cycle uh, and a church culture, uh, it, it should teach us to really shift how we think about time. And the reason I say that is because, uh, you know, it, it is a it is a massive shift, and we don't I don't think we really uh, appreciate how big of a shift it is to go from a, a Sunday cycle uh, because you plan your life around that, and it becomes your rhythm, your life's rhythm, uh, from you know from a child, most of us, uh, and some of us as adults, of course, but it becomes your life rhythm, and we I don't think we appreciate how. Uh, how profound and how difficult it is to to shift from uh, from a Sunday you know cycle to a Shabbat cycle. So for those of you that are making that shift or have made that shift, congratulations to you because it is it is not an easy thing. Uh, it's really and I just think it's good to admit that you know this is a difficult thing and and we're we're working towards it and and you know we're doing it. So it, it's a it's a really cool thing. Um, and and the Shabbat is is the the most important. Um, for you know, from a, a discipline standpoint, and from a, an, an, just a foundational standpoint, um, we many of us would have the habit uh, in our backgrounds of you know treating Sunday as well. It comes around every week, and like it's important, you know, in that context, it's the Lord's Day, and it's important. Um, but we all know people. We may we may have been those people, but we know people for sure in our family, whatever. Um, that you know would have treated Sunday a little bit less important, and but would really focus on the major holidays, right? Like Christmas and Easter. Um, make sure all the family is there. Make sure everybody's together. You know, the first time moms have their kids in church for a long time. You know, the first time that uh, you know everybody makes an effort, especially in in the South where you know where I am, uh, everybody makes an effort on Christmas and Easter to go to church with mom. Like that's a that's just a thing here, you know. And and so we treat those with more weight. Um, and so when we come into Torah and we have to readjust and think, well, no, like Shabbat is the most uh, the most important that we stay consistent on, and the festivals are certainly important. I'm not trying to say they're not, um, but we we need to condition ourselves that the Shabbat is that never ending, that unending cycle from creation that we are to honor. Uh, and so our Shabbat attendance and our Shabbat observance 
is is what we really need to work on and the festivals will come as we you know as we celebrate shabbat and get into that rhythm the festivals tend to come more easily so um we we always want to start and read about the shabbat before we get into the feast day so uh this is vayikra leviticus 23 verse 1 and hashem said to moshe speak to the israelites and say to them These are my appointed festivals, the appointed festivals of Hashem, which you are to proclaim as sacred assemblies. And we're not going to spend a lot of time breaking down all this vocabulary, but uh, basically these are my moedim, my appointments, my appointed festivals um, that you are to proclaim uh, as sacred assemblies, mikra kodesh. And the reason why I say Sabbath is priority is because it's the first one mentioned. Uh, and, and so in the rabbinic tradition and the sages say that, you know, in scripture, when something is mentioned, the first thing is usually priority. And we'll talk about that a little bit later too. Uh, so verse three says, there are six days when you may work, but the seventh day is a day of Sabbath rest, a day of sacred assembly. You are not to do any work wherever you live. It is a Sabbath to the Lord, to Hashem, to Adonai. Uh, and we're going to see that again when it talks about Sukkot. Uh, and so let's jump down to Leviticus 23, verse 39. And we, well, actually Sukkot starts in verse 33. So let me go back there. I'm sorry, I'm working between some notes and uh, the actual scripture. So let's go to verse 33. Uh, and it says, Hashem spoke to Moshe, Uh, Say to the Israelites, on the 15th day of the seventh month is Hashem's festival of tabernacles, or Sukkot. And uh, and it begins and it lasts for seven days. The first day is a sacred assembly, do no regular work. For seven days, present food offerings to Hashem. And on the eighth day, hold a sacred assembly and present a food offering to Hashem. It is a closing special assembly, do no regular work. So first of all, just a real technical uh, thing. Um, we have seven days of Sukkot, and we can, this can get confusing. Um, even if you're several years in, it can get confusing because during uh, Pesach and Hagah Matzot, the festival feast of unleavened bread, uh, you have seven days, right? And the first day and the seventh day are High Shabbats. They are sacred assemblies, right, where you do no work. Sukkot is not like that. It differs a little bit, and so we have to kind of pay attention and know where we are. The first Sukkot is seven days. The first day is a high Shabbat, but the seventh day is not. It is actually the eighth day, which is known as Shemini Atzeret, uh, that is the high Shabbat. So day one and eight, and they're all grouped together kind of within Sukkot, even though they're technically, I guess if you want to get nitpicky, two separate celebrations. And so... Um, verse 37 says, these are Adonai or Hashem's appointed festivals, which you are to proclaim as sacred assemblies for bringing food offerings to Hashem, burnt offerings and grain offerings, sacrifice and drink offerings required for each day. These offerings are in addition to those for Hashem's Sabbaths and in addition to the gifts, whatever you have vowed and all your free will offerings that you give to Hashem. Okay, so uh, this is really important because uh, food is a big deal, and we've talked a little bit about it. Um, I'm working on getting a very special guest um, on to talk about food as worship at some point after the feast and after everything dust kind of settles, hopefully between now and Hanukkah. Uh, But there's a real focus on food offerings during Sukkot. And what are food offerings? Well, mincha, the mincha offering, is one that was brought, and, and part of it was, was given to Hashem. Um, but part of it was for you and the pre, or for the Israelites and the priests and the families, and for everyone to eat together 
in the presence of God in the tabernacle, around the tabernacle, uh, or at least in sight of the tabernacle. And it is this communal meal between the, the people, the priesthood, Hashem himself. And it's this beautiful picture of, of eating together with God in communal worship and fellowship. And it, it's, food is so important. It's so, so very important. It was in the tabernacle and temple as, a, as an offering, but as also, again, this communal meal. And so even today, we, you know, there's a reason why in, in, the, in, in the Jewish, uh, in, in Judaism, there's a, a real focus around food. Uh, there's a real focus around food and around the table, the, the family table. Um, that is likened in modern day Judaism to the altar. And it became like that after the destruction of the temple in 70 AD. Um, the temple was destroyed, the altar was destroyed. And so uh, so the Jewish people learned to appropriate the temple service to their own personal family table. And so many of the blessings and the, the things that go, the way that we, they eat kosher-wise and the washing of hands and all those things, um, that stuff is not made up. It is remnants and remembrances uh, and a, a preservation of the temple service, right? And so it's fascinating to study this and, to under, and it helps us understand and hopefully respect a little bit better uh, why Judah does what they do the way they do it. It's very, very important to understand this from an honoring, respecting standpoint. So uh, this food is a big deal. So during Sukkot, we eat in the sukkah, um, right? Because this is a kind of a remembrance of, of the time when Hashem's presence dwelt with Israel in the tabernacle uh, when the, the commandment and the instruction for Sukkot was first given. So it's super, super important. Uh, food is a, a big, big deal. Uh, and it should be, and we should not, especially during the feast days, and especially during Sukkot, because it's mentioned so much, you know, food offerings, food minha offerings, um, it's really important that we understand that this is not just a meal and we're just going to, you know, stuff our face and all that, but we take time and really enjoy eating together under the sukkah in the presence of Hashem, right? Uh, where two or three are gathered, he's there. This is the perfect time to put that verse in context, right? Or that, that part of the verse in context. And, and so it's just that remembrance of like we were, like we were at the tabernacle again. And just how cool is that, right? It's just so, so powerful. Um, so let's continue. So still in Leviticus 23, uh, verse 39, it says, On the 15th day of the seventh month, when you have gathered in the fruits of the land, you are to keep the feast of Adonai for seven days. The first day is to be a Sabbath rest, and the eighth day will be a Sabbath rest. Verse 40, on the first day, you are to take, uh, take choice fruit of trees. Okay, so what is that? We're going to talk about that. Branches of palm trees, boughs of leafy trees, and willows of the brook, and rejoice before Adonai your God for seven days. So weird, right? This is weird. Let's admit um, even if you do this, uh, it is still kind of odd um, that we take this, these, this fruit and these branches and leaves and we, quote unquote, rejoice before, the Lord, before God for seven days. Well, what is it about this stuff that would cause us to, or why, why, is this, why are these things put together? Uh, we're going we're gonna to talk about that in just a moment. And uh, we're going to continue reading in verse 41. He says, you are to celebrate as a festival to Adonai for seven days in the year. It is a statute forever throughout your generations. You are to celebrate it in the seventh month. So here we have throughout your generations. And kind of referring back to what I talked about earlier, um, 
realize if you're a younger family or maybe you're an older person who is celebrating Sukkot and maybe your your children or even your grandchildren, uh, even though they're not maybe involved, maybe they may be, but if they're not, and, and even if you invite them over for one night of Sukkot, to, to eat in your sukkah with you and to, you know, to, to read scripture together and, and, and they see you, uh, you know, actively doing this. Um, what a generation, I'm using the word shift a lot in this episode, I'm sorry, but I don't really have another word in, in my vocabulary for it. But what a, what a monumental generational um, shift that is. This is what we're talking about throughout your generations. Well, how do you celebrate this sukkot throughout your generations if if you're if we're not teaching our children and grandchildren uh, what it's about, how to do it, why to do it, when to do it, if we're not and 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 it's it's one thing to go well yeah I know about the Feast of Tabernacles I know about Passover I know about the Sabbath there's a lot of people that know about them but you you don't you don't impart this tradition and this this cycle. Uh, this life cycle to your children and grandchildren, to your generations without doing it and doing it with them. And so, you know what, this may be your first or second or even third year uh, trying to keep Sukkot and you may have no idea what you're doing, but you know what, that's okay. Do something. Um, My dad has a saying that he always said as a kid, son, even if you do it wrong, do something, (laughs) you know, make a move because if you do something wrong, you're going to learn from it. And, and God will show you, you know, he'll correct you and, and you'll, the Holy Spirit will lead you throughout your, your journey. Um, you don't keep Sukkot for the first time and, and bing bang, you got it right. It's a, it's a learning process. It's reason why, one of the reasons why it comes around every year, right? It gives us a chance to grow and to learn. And so, uh, so be easy on yourself. Take your time and, and enjoy the process. Don't let it be a stressful thing. If, if the feast days are stressful, there's a good chance we're not doing them right. And so, or we're not with the right attitude. So we do what we can. We, I love it. Uh, one, a couple years ago, someone sent us a picture of their Seder plate. Uh, it was their first time ever doing Pesach. And the, their Seder plate, and they didn't have, uh, what was it? I think they didn't have a bone, a chicken bone, you know, or something like that we use in our Seder plate. Uh, and so they used the chicken nugget. And I just, I got a huge kick out of it, not as laughing at them, but just I thought, like, how inventive and how... Um, you know, like how creative uh, that they used what they had and they did it. And, and so, you know, they asked like, what do we do? And so we kind of helped them along and, and the next year it was better. The next year it was better. And it was, but it was just such a cool uh, thing for me that pushed against my, oh, well, that's not right. You know, that that's not right attitude. You got to do it right. Or like God, you know, God cares that we try. And, And that's what, that's what they were doing. And I just loved it. I thought it was so cool. So this, this idea that teaching to our generations as we do it. And what, you know, if you have kids or grandkids that, that maybe, you know, are in church or maybe they're not in church or whatever, what a, what a radical change for them and what a teaching moment and a special time to invite them to come into your sukkah and to, to eat, you know, a meal that you've prepared and, and maybe light candles or, you know, sing songs and, and read scripture. I mean, how, how incredibly cool is that? That's just phenomenal. Uh, so verse, ter- I'm sorry, I could spend all, all episode on that. Verse 42, you are to live in Sukkot for seven days. All the native born in Israel are to live in Sukkot. And, and so we go, okay, well, like, what's the purpose of this, right? Why are we, why, and we, we have all kind of connections from Sukkot to 
Messiah and to the end times. And some people use Sukkot as like, well, this is whenever things are going to get bad during the tribulation. So we need to know how to survive. And that's what Sukkot is teaching us or part of what Sukkot is teaching us. And, and all those are good connections. And, we, you know, we have a lot of reason. What does the Sukkah represent and, and et cetera, et cetera. But this is the reason that, that Hashem gives. He says in verse 43, so that your generation, what is the reason for, for living in Sukkot for seven days? So that your generations may know that I had B'nai Israel to dwell in Sukkot when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am Adonai, your God. So I'm not saying making those connections and, you know, and looking for reasonings are, are wrong. They're, they're not. That's what we do when we explore and interpret scripture. But the, the, the reason that Hashem gives is so that we remember, right? So that we know and we remember. And remembrance, if you study the feast days and Shabbat, is a huge thing to God. That we remember, which remembering is not just recall a memory of, but it's to speak and act on behalf of. Um, so when we do this, we are we are re uh, not rehearsing, but we are are, are redoing. Uh, can't think of the word. I'm sorry, but we are reenacting. That's a, probably a good word. Um, Israel's journey as they came out of slavery and lived in the wilderness. And, and that's Hashem's reason. So we can have a lot of other reasons, but that's the primary reason that, uh, that we remember that, that B'nai Israel, the children of Israel, dwelt in Sukkot when they came out of the land of Egypt. I am Adonai, your God. So as we come back from the break, just on the other side of the music, we're going to start talking about some of the mechanics and some other names for Sukkot. So we'll be right back. Welcome back to the second segment in this episode of Image Bearers Radio. It's so good to have you listening. So we're talking about uh, about Sukkot, and we want to look at at this this thing called a sukkah, or it's translated a lot of different ways. So um, you know, if we look it up in Strong's, which let me just make a, a quick disclaimer: Strong's Concordance is a great place to start. Um, but it is not at all a full, it's strong, a full, you know, doesn't give you a full f- sense of, of vocabulary. Um, Strong's is kind of mechanical and can be great for referencing and back and forth, cross-referencing and stuff. Um, but really, we need to get into lexicons. There's tons of lexicons free available online. Uh, and for me, more importantly, uh, because even in a lexicon, um, it's, it's words which words are great, but words are trying to convey an idea and a, and a sense of culture and meaning and feeling um, and environment and stuff that just words sometimes can't do. Sometimes we need to look, and, and I find it really helpful to look at Jewish tradition and see what they actually did during or, you know, what, how they translate sukkah and, and the, the things that go along with it the traditions that go along with it to really get an understanding of what the idea of a sukkah is. So if we just look at Strong's, um, there's some, you know, kind of neat definitions and there are kind of some odd. The first definition is a hut, which is, I guess, kind of accurate, or a layer. I don't know where they got layer, but that's what it is. Um, a booth, which is what your, some of your translations have. A cottage, not sure. 
pavilion, tabernacle, or tent. Um, and some, you know, some folks will look at Sukkot and say, well, my translation says tent, or they were taught tent. And so, like, go get a Coleman tent and pitch it in your yard, and you've kept Sukkot. And, you know, like I said, start where you can, do what you can. But I would encourage you, if that's, you know, kind of how you think about Sukkot, do some extra research and just see how it's been done for the last 3,500 years. I think it would really be, uh, really be helpful. Um, and so, um, this idea of Sukkot, uh, we, like I said at OAM, we build a huge sukkah. Uh, for everyone you know that joins us to get under, but traditionally you would build it at your own home, and and these are generally in uh, in towns, villages, communities where 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 it's it's Jews, Jewish people that are all keeping Sukkot, you know, in a neighborhood and whatever, and each family builds their own sukkah. And they personalize it, they decorate it, have a lot of fun with it, get the kids involved. The kids make paper chains, which we do as well. They make lanterns that, you know, we hang flags and all. And it's really cool. And you make and you put lights in it, and it's just beautiful. Um, and, and then throughout the week, you invite, uh, you invite neighbors, friends, family uh, to come and to be your guest in your sukkah. And, uh, and it, it's a community thing, but it also has individual responsibility. And one of the things that we that we need to be careful of, um, and, and and I talked about this last Shabbat, and so I just want to share it with with everyone else um, that maybe didn't didn't catch our Shabbat fellowship this last week. That you know we have some baggage that we bring over from how we were raised, and and some of that may be depending on the tradition you come from. Um, this kind of attitude that maybe you don't even realize you have or had. That will the ministry or the church, they're doing the thing. So like I give my tithe and the ministry will give it to the people who need it. I don't have to really worry about helping my neighbor. I give my tithe to the church and the pastor makes sure that people are helped. And if somebody needs help, I come and tell the pastor, I tell the church staff, hey, um, so-and-so needs food. You know, we need to take care of that. And, 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 and I gave you my tithe. So like the implication is, you know, go do that because that's what I'm paying for. <laughs> that's what I'm giving for. And, um, and there, there's some benefits to that for sure. Um, but there also is something really special in the way we teach here is, um, you know, give what you, you feel to give to the ministry in order to, you know, pay the, the building, pay for the building, keep the lights on, have running water, have air conditioning, heat, you know, those kind of things and provide some for ministry. Um, but keep some of your tithe back so that you can actively help a single mom who needs, you know, groceries or, you know, a soldier you want to honor or, you know, an elderly person that needs food, bra, whatever. Um, that, that, that's the perfect balance for us of personal responsibility and communal responsibility. And so Sukkot is a real important embodiment of that, again, in communities where you have, you know, people that are keeping Sukkot, which is, is, is hard to find in, you know, in most of the places in the country, uh, especially if you're not Jewish, it's hard to find that. I, I you know, I, I admit that. And so we're doing the best we can. But it's important at some point maybe to just take some time and build a sukkah at your house, um, whatever it may look like, however simple or elaborate or whatever you want to do. Um, and, and so that we don't, what, what, what we don't want to do is we don't, as ministries and as fellowships, we want to be careful not to rob people of the individual responsibility and blessing 
of doing it yourself at home. I mean, our first year, I think we built a little PVC sukkah and it was bad weather that year. We put it inside, like over our dining room table. Um, and we just, we ate inside at the sukkah. And that's not the right way to do it at all. I mean, like, nothing about it was right, but it was our way of doing it as a family and our kids, they loved it. I mean, they just could not wait to eat under the, you know, under the sukkah inside. And, and so you gain so much by doing that personal thing. Um, and, and so there's a good balance there. Okay. So, uh, again, it's about generations and about personal responsibility. Um, and the Torah is communal, right? The Torah is all about community. I can't keep the Torah by myself. You can't keep it by yourself uh, or keep it to the fullest by ourselves. We need each other to do that. And I know that in some parts of the country, some of you are listening going, yeah, but like I'm the only person in my town of 10,000 people that really does, you know, has a care about Torah. And I, I understand those challenges. Believe me, I understand. Um, but we have things like, you know, online communities and we have different things where you can get a sense of community at least. And we pray that Hashem will open people's hearts and eyes to, to join it with you. Those of you that are in that, uh, in that situation, but, uh, it, it Torah is communal. Um, but it also depends on each person doing their personal and individual responsibility as well. Um, it can't just be all on the priesthood or all on the teachers or all on the elders or all on the leaders. It has to be your individual study, your individual prayer time, your individual, uh, you know, observance, however you, you, you observe. It has to be founded on that. And then when we come together, then we are, we are not, it's not the leadership pulling all the weight. It's, it's us together as a body that is growing and maturing and learning. And that is just such a different dynamic. It is, it, it is just completely um, different than a bunch of people who just kind of go, well, the pastor's going to do it all or the ministry's going to do it all. And I don't have to, I don't have any skin in the game. Just a totally different thing. So um, in Genesis 33, uh, verse 17, we read, this is, of course, before uh, the commandment was given for Sukkot, but we see kind of the writing of Scripture and the development of Scripture um, that that Jacob, it says in verse 17, but Jacob journeyed to Sukkot and built a house for himself and for his livestock. He made booths. That is the reason the place is called Sukkot. So there's two ways to look at this. Either this idea of Sukkot was something already in existence way before the commandment was given somehow, uh, or the the Genesis was updated later, uh, not added to or not changed, not in a nefarious way, but it was updated later to reflect this continuity between the patriarchs and the Torah. Um, so we have uh, we have back in in uh, Exodus twenty three. So we we kind of started Leviticus. We're going back and kind of coming back up to it. In uh, Exodus twenty three, we have the fourteen to seventeen. We have the uh, the instructions for uh, the shalosh regalim, the hagim, three times a year. Right uh, in verse fourteen, you're to celebrate a festival for me three times a year. Do you observe the feast of matzah, hag hamatzot, for seven days? And then uh, no one has come before me empty-handed. Verse 16, you also deserve the Feast of Harvest. What the heck is the Feast of Harvest? Well, that's Shavuot, right? Pentecost. Uh, the first fruits of your labors. Uh, and then the Feast of Ingathering, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. That is Sukkot, right? Three times a year, all your men are to appear before Adonai Elohim. Um, we have the same instruction in Deuteronomy 16, uh, verse 16. And so let's talk about uh, three of the names for Sukkot. Now, there are more, but we did this with Rosh Hashanah, Yom Teruah, 
Um, and I think it's important that all the festivals, we tend to think of them as, as really one-dimensionally, right? Well, Pesach is Passover is Passover. Hagamatzot is Hagamatzot. Um, the wave offering that happens during Hagamatzot, some call it Bikarim, uh, when in Jewish tradition, Bikarim is actually Shavuot. And so we, it can be a, a cause of confusion, but it can also be really limiting in the way that we think about the festival itself, but also how we read scripture uh, as a whole. And so we're going to talk about uh, about some of these things as we go through the rest of the rest of this talk today. Um, so, of course, we have Sukkot, Hag Sukkot, Hag Sukkot. A Hag um, is particularly when when it's the Shalosh Regalim. It's when the males were uh, uh, required to go to Jerusalem. So you have Hag Hamatzot, right? We just read in uh, Exodus and in, in, in Deuteronomy 16, where the males were required to go up to Jerusalem. Uh, that's a hog, a pilgrimage feast. Uh, in Hebrew, again, shalosh regalim. Um, so we have hog Sukkot, right? The Feast of Tabernacles. Uh, but that is not only, that's not the only way that Tabernacles is, is referred to. As a matter of fact, in Leviticus 23, I think it was, um, it's uh, the, the beginning of the commandment for Feast of Tabernacles was celebrate the Feast of Adonai, right? So that's another way of thinking about Sukkot, a Feast of Adonai. And let me just mention, I didn't mention it when we read it, but uh, the, the commandment says keep the, the feast to Adonai. Just like we saw in the Shabbat, if you go back and read in the beginning of Leviticus 23, you celebrate the Shabbat to Adonai. So are there any of you out there that, you know, you, maybe you're doing Shabbat, maybe you're doing the, the feast days, maybe you're, you know, you're trying to celebrate, you're learning, um, or you have been for 20 years. And I bet there's some of you out there, I think it's a pretty sure bet, there's some of you out there that your friends and family think, what in the world are they doing? Well, you know, <laughs> maybe you've been doing it for a while and they still don't understand. And, and while we want to be sensitive to you know, people's lack of understanding, we want to be courteous and, and hospitable, we also need to understand that we are not doing any of these things to anyone else or for anyone else. These are celebrations and rejoicings to Adonai. They're a form of worship to our God. And, and that really helps to frame these 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 times in a more helpful way maybe for some uh so hag sukkot uh feast of tabernacles it's also known as hag haasif we read that in in the 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 torah the feast of ingathering hag haasif a s i f the feast of ingathering so we may not really see sukkot one of the things that when i started keeping the festivals um one of my teachers throughout the years has been joseph good many of you know him or know of him, and uh, I just I can't say enough good about Joseph. If I tried to say, you know, try to talk about Joe and Debbie, uh, this would take the rest of the episode and into next episode, and probably the one after that. But just one of the things that that really fascinated me in my first few years that I met Joe was, uh, we he would read through a, a prophetic section of scripture through through the Nevaim, and he would say, oh well, see this is feast language, and would think like, how do you know? Like, what do you mean feast language? What does that mean? Uh, how how do you know? that this section is, is, is alluding to this particular festival. I, I didn't understand that connection um, because I thought very one-dimensionally, uh, you know, Sukkot, uh, Pesach, Shavuot, very uh, Yom Teruah. You know, it wasn't Rosh Hashanah, it was Yom Teruah. And Rosh Hashanah has like 10 names or something like that, half a dozen names uh, in Scripture. And it, it's all the different dimensions and how the prophets use those, those ideas to talk about and remind Israel of their story. 
And so Hag Ha'asif, we may not see Sukkot mentioned explicitly in prophetic sections, but the prophets very, very, very much, very much um, focused on this idea of ingathering, right? Israel was exiled from the land, uh, either through Assyrian exile or Babylonian exile. And when they repented, Elul, Rosh Hashanah, they were forgiven, Yom Kippur, then they were allowed back to come back to the land and be ingathered back to the land of their forefathers, right? So Hag Ha'asif, the festival of ingathering, is a massive, massive theme throughout the prophetic writings. But we don't think about it and connect it to Sukkot maybe because we just think about Sukkot as this thing they did in the wilderness where they lived in these huts, right? Um, and we maybe skip it and think, well, like it's a future thing. It's a future thing. And we forget Israel's story in the middle. Uh, the third name that I want to focus on today is Hag Hagoyim. Hag Hagoyim. Um, now, don't be mistaken. This means fe- festival of the nations. Okay. Uh, don't be mistaken to think festival of the Gentiles. Um, I, there's a statement that I make uh, every once in a while that uh, when I first made it, I got a lot of feedback from. Not all positive, but the idea of of Gentile is really, the way we think about Gentile, or some of us think about Gentile, is really not, it's really not a thing in Scripture. Um, the, the idea of the word Gentile uh, in the in the Shah in the New Testament is, uh, is just a way to talk about the nations. Uh, however, between Jewish and Christian interaction, Gentile has become a dirty word. Um, it's become a, you know, it, it does mean not, it can mean not of the covenant, um, but that's not in a in a, a negative or lesser sense. It's just that God had His choice uh, to choose a nation, and He chose Israel. And the nations that were not Israel, you know, back at Sinai uh, and the Exodus, the the nations that were not Israel were just the nations. Um, and and if God is the God of all creation, then we have to understand that He's He's working with the nations in some capacity. Uh, some of that is most of that is through Israel, but in some ways, there you know we have this this uh, account in the Torah about the 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 sin of um, uh, of the uh, sorry I, I'm, I'll, of the Assyrians maybe not of the Assyrians. Forgive me, but there was a, there was a group of people occupying the land, and he said their their sin is not yet complete, right? So that means that to me that God had to be doing something with them, right? He's the God of all creation. He's the God of all nations, the king of all nations. His partner just happens to be Israel. So this idea of the Hag Hagoyim, again, is another major theme in the prophets that there would not only be a regathering of Israel, but there would be a regathering, there would be a gathering of the nations to loyalty and allegiance to Hashem, Right. And so these three names really help to broaden um, our understanding. And again, they help us to see the festival itself in, de- in more depth and more dimensions. But it also should help us as we're reading through Tanakh, as we're reading through the, the prophets and, the, and the, the writings, it should help us to make connections. These are festival, uh, this is festival language, right? These are feast language. So we should be able to see this as we broaden our understanding of the festivals themselves. So... Um, we know about Sukkot. We know about uh, Feast of Tabernacles. Um, in, in Exodus chapter 25, verses 8 and 9, uh, we have this, uh, this telling that uh, God says, Have them make a sanctuary for me so that I may dwell among them. 
right? And this, this was the tabernacle, right? The mishkan. Uh, you are to make it precisely according to everything that I show you, the pattern, the tavnit of the tabernacle and all its furnishings just so you make it. So this idea, God's ultimate plan has always been since Genesis 1 to dwell our tabernacle among his people. Um, on the, in the first Sukkot, God's tabernacle began to be built um, in order for his, his shkinah to dwell with man. And that was the tabernacle that we know in the, in the wilderness, uh, the Mishkan. Uh, Exodus 35, verse 20. Then all the congregation of B'nai Israel departed from Moshe. Everyone whose heart stirred him and everyone who was willing came and brought Adonai's offering for the work of the tent of meeting, the Ohel Moed, which is the holy place in the Holy of Holies, and for all its service as well as the holy garments. Right? This is all about Sukkot. Uh, Exodus 35, uh, I'm sorry, Exodus 40. Uh, and when the cloud was taken up, this is verse 34, uh, over the tabernacle, and B'nai Israel went, out, went onward throughout all their journeys. But if the cloud was not taken up, they did not move until the day that it was. For the cloud of Adonai was on the tabernacle by day and a fire by night, and all the sight of the house of Israel throughout their journeys. Uh, so God tabernacles with his people. Leviticus 26 uh, Ezekiel 37, my dwelling place will be over them. I will be their God and they will be my people. This is all the idea of Sukkot. Uh, Jeremiah 31, verse 33, no longer will God, will each teach his neighbor or each his brother saying, no, Adonai, for they will all know me. For the least of them to the greatest, it is a declaration of Adonai, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin will be no more. Zechariah 8, verse 8, I will bring them back and they will live in the midst of Jerusalem. They will be my people and I will be their God in truth and righteousness. This is about God tabernacling with his people, right? Uh, so really, really awesome. Uh, of course, John 1, this, uh, John using this feast language to describe Messiah and his coming. John 1, 14, and the word became flesh and tabernacled among us. We looked upon his glory, the glory of the one and only from the Father, full of grace and truth, right? And all the allusions that has back to Hag Hasukot, right? The Feast of Tabernacles. Um, Revelation 21. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, a dwelling of God is among men, and he shall tabernacle among them. They shall be his people, and God himself will be among them and be their God, right? So Sukkot and all the even more passages than, than this that reference uh, Sukkot. Ahag Asif, the festival of ingathering. And uh, there's a lot more to this teaching, so I'm going to run through these really quickly, okay? Take some notes, come back and re-listen. Hag Asif. Um, Exodus 23, verse 16. Also, you would observe the feast of harvest, which is Sukkot, the first fruits of your labors that you sow in the field, as well as the feast of ingathering at the end of the year when you gather your crops from the field. So this is an agricultural term. But then, of course, we know later the prophets use this agricultural language to talk about people, right? The people of God. Uh, verse, uh, let's see, let's go to uh, Matthew chapter 13, verse 38. Uh, well, actually, let's... Deuteronomy 11. Deuteronomy 11 verse 13 says, Now if you listen obediently to my mitzvot that I'm commanding you today to love Adonai your God and to serve him with all your heart and soul, then I will give rain in your land in its season, the early rain and latter rain, so that you may gather in your grain, new wine and olive oil. I will give grass in your field for your livestock and you will eat and be satisfied. Right? So again, in gathering. Matthew 13, Yeshua picks up on the same concept and he says the field is the world, the good seed... Uh, these are the sons of the kingdom and the weeds are the sons of the evil one, of the adversary. Verse 39, the enemy who sowed them is the devil. And the harvest is the end of the age, right? In gathering. 
uh, and the reapers are angels. Therefore, just as weeds are gathered up and burned the fire, so shall be the end of the age. The Son of Man will send forth his angels as reapers, and they will gather out of his kingdom all the stumbling blocks and those who practice lawlessness. So this idea of ingathering even in Yeshua's uh, parables and teachings is a very Sukkotish hag ha'asif, right? Uh, Revelation 14, verse 15. Then another angel came out of the temple, crying out with a loud voice to the one seated on the cloud, put your sickle and reap for the har- hour it to reap has come because the harvest of the earth is fully ripe. Verse 16, so the one seated on the cloud swung his sickle over the earth and the earth was harvested. Then another angel came out of the temple in heaven and he also had a sharp sickle. Excuse me. Uh, And then another angel, the one who has authority over the fire, came out from the altar and he called out with a loud voice to the one holding the sharp sickle saying, put your sickle in, uh, put in your sickle and gather the grape clusters from the vineyard of the earth because her grapes are ripe. So the angel swung his sickle over the earth and gathered the clusters from the vineyard and of the earth and threw them into the great wine press of the wrath of God. So you can see this in-gathering all, and I used you know Torah, uh, Gospels, and Revelation just to give you the scope throughout Scripture of how these, these things are thought of and mentioned. So last is Hag HaGoyim, the festival of the nations. Um, Deuteronomy 31 uh, talks about the, the outsider that is within your gates, uh, and to gather them together so that they may learn the outsider, right? A non-Israelite so that they may learn and that they will fear Adonai and take care to do all the words of his Torah, right? Uh, Zechariah 14, I love this. Then Adonai will go forth and fight against those nations as he fights in the day of battle. And in that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which lies to the east of Jerusalem. And on the Mount of Olives will be split in two from east to west, forming a huge valley. Half of the mountain will move towards the north and half towards the south. Um, and the all survivors, this is 14 verse 16, all the survivors from the nations that attack Jerusalem will go up from year to year to worship the king, Adonai Savaot, and to celebrate Sukkot. All the nations, right? So it's not this idea of dirty Gentiles. It's the nations coming to allegiance to Hashem. Uh, and he says that if, if they don't come, they will have no rain, right? Um, and it talks about the Egyptians in verse 17. Uh, and so the, these names of Sukkot are very important. Again, because it helps to give us more depth to the festival itself, we realize this time that we're celebrating, that we join with people all over the world to celebrate, is, is so much more than us just building a hut or sleeping in a tent and hanging out for seven or eight days, right? It is, it is all about the plan of God working through the whole continuum of Scripture. And so I pray that your Sukkot is highly blessed and that the Father really deepens our understanding during Sukkot as we spend time in the Sukkah, eating and studying Torah, and just meditating on the plan of God. So Hag Sukkot Sameach, I can't, be, can't wait to be with you again next week. Until then, Shalom, Shalom.